What is up, everyone, and welcome to episode 464 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. Today's show, New York Knicks Talk with Dexter Henry of the New York Post and SNY TV. We discuss the Knicks-Cavs series. Will Luka Doncic end up in New York? And more just a fantastic conversation with Dexter you could catch Dexter on SNY TV. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. SNY, New York Post. Welcome to Combos Court, man. How you feeling? I'm feeling good, man. It's playoff time, NBA playoff time, which I love. So I'm feeling good. How you doing, Andrew? I'm doing well. Game two did not go as well as game one. The one we were in the building for at 40-40. Shouts to Knicks yes. Fan TV. That was a great night for the Knicks. Game two wasn't as great. Which game do you think the rest of this series will look more like going forward? I think it'll look more like game one. And and here's the reason why, Andrew, I, I think that because game two, when you really think about it, that's not the Knicks we have seen uh, for sure. most of the season, right? This is not the Knicks you've seen. They didn't. They weren't great on the offensive glass. Um, they were out hustled. That's not the Knicks team you've seen. They got blown out. This Knicks team didn't have a lot of blowout losses. And even in losses where teams might get out to a big lead, you saw them fight and come back and get it down to single digits. So, you didn't see this. Um, we've seen games where the Knicks haven't shot the ball well. We've seen that. We've seen the fight back. We've seen them still be able to get to the line. We've still seen them be able to grab a lot of offensive rebounds. That didn't happen. I think that's in the Knicks' DNA. I think they had a bad game. I do not think that's reflective of who they are. I'm not as worried about the shooting as some other people, maybe with R.J. Barrett, but not with Quickly and Grimes. I think they shoot better in games three and four at home. Role players generally do. So... I think you'll see more of what we saw in game one. And to be honest with you, Andrew, game one wasn't even the Knicks A game. I think I'd give the Knicks probably True. a B minus in that game. They didn't even play their best game. And they still won, which makes it impressive. But I think that you'll see something closer to game one in terms of the effort on the offensive rebounding, being able to get to the line. I think you'll see that. I think the Knicks will make their adjustments and counter. What the Cavs did do, like the NBA this time of year, it's high-level chess, and the Cavs did make some great adjustments you know, they decided to give the ball more to Darius, right? And yeah. make sure he got started early, and that opened up things for everything. On the defensive side, they were just more aggressive. They were blitzing people. You know, some of the role players for the Knicks did look a little shaky. Tibbs has not always been the greatest at making adjustments. Are you confident mm. he'll make some adjustments in this high-speed chess series going forward? Well, here's the thing. I might not be confident, but he's got to, right? Right, like, right. He's got to make the adjustments here. Um. You mentioned something I think that's going to be the biggest tell for me about whether or not he makes an adjustment, although it's actually really more upon the players. Jalen Brunson's going to get blitzed again. Yes. I don't see the Cavs not going away from this. In game one, he was able to feel, be more comfortable, right, in terms of creating his own shot. The Cavs pretty much said, we're not going to let that happen. So what does that mean? That means then the secondary and tertiary ball handlers, whether it's getting a pass to Grimes or quickly when he's on the floor with Brunson, those guys have to immediately get that ball and look to attack. 
to get to the paint and try to then kick it out to shooters. We didn't see that last game. There was a lot of hesitation from players like Grimes, Quickly, RJ. They're not looking to attack and confident playmaking. If the Knicks are going to do it, they're going to have to. They're going to have, Knicks are going to win, excuse me. Those players are going to have to do that. That to me is the biggest adjustment. It's just those guys actually being confident to go and say, okay, they're taking the ball out of Brunson's hands. We have to go, be aggressive, and look to make plays for other guys. If the Knicks do that, I think they'll actually be fine. We've seen them do this before in the season. Hart's another guy who's a playmaker like that can do that for them too when he's on the floor. If the ball gets into his hands, he can make plays as well too. They have to do that because if you're asking for it to just be Randall and Brunson, that's a, that's playing right into the Cavs' strength. And they're, look, the Cavs are a good defensive team. Like, no disrespect to them. They're a good defensive team. We know this was going to be a good series. And I just think the other guys have to be ready to make plays. To your point, Andrew, some of the players didn't look like that. It looked like they were mm-hmm. a little bit shell-shocked. But look, like you said, it's high-level chess. Yeah. One team makes a move, and you might not be – you're used to Brunson being a guy who makes the plays. Well, now they're trying to see if the other guys can do it, and those guys have to be ready. Yeah, covering Obi in the draft, and he's actually one of those guys that didn't look shaky this game, but then Tibbs didn't really give him opportunity. And I feel like with this team, in general, it hasn't been the greatest for Obi's growth because I always thought he had all the tools, except defensively. You know, he struggles Mm -hmm. to slide laterally up and down and vertically. He's a tremendous athlete. But do you think Tibbs should give him more opportunity in game three? Look, I I say yes. Yeah. And I know people may may not think about this, but I've always said I – I think when they play the Randall and Toppin minutes in the front court, I understand why Tibbs doesn't like to do that because he loves rim protection and you're losing that. But I wouldn't mind seeing that as a change. You know, what stress does that put on someone like Jared Allen if you're trying to put him on Obi Toppin and then he's got to worry about Obi Toppin leaking out all the time off of misses, right? That's something the Knicks have looked good at when they run. The Knicks didn't get a lot of transition opportunities. Uh, on in game two. Another thing I didn't mention about game two, I'm sorry to get back, but turnovers, and that's to me the biggest thing. The Knicks in the first two games have turned the ball over more than they have this year. They were the fifth best team in taking care of the ball in the league this year. They didn't look like that the first two games. But I think, with, back to your question on Obi Toppin, I think that he, I thought in the game one, the game we watched at 40-40, I thought that Obi Toppin, his minutes in the third quarter were very vital to them getting that win. I mean, he played fantastic in that third quarter. And spelled Randall for a bit. I thought that I thought that was good. So I would like to see him get some more burn. I know that's a question Knicks fans have been saying that the last couple of years. Um, they'd like to see him get more burn. Do I think that Tibbs will give it to him? Probably not. But I do. Do I think he should get some more? Yes. But I think he might want to think about going a little smaller at times and putting pressure. You're going to lose some of that rim protection, but putting pressure on the Cavs bigs. You defend someone like Obi. That I'd like to see that. Yeah, I think a big thing in basketball is just throwing the opposition different looks. And it doesn't have to be the greatest look. It just has to be different, and that could throw the team off. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that, right? Sometimes it's just a little thing or wrinkle. I don't look, I don't care if it's even for a four-minute spurt in the fourth first half. And maybe you do it for another four-minute spurt in the second half something different that they have to think about something that makes Jared Allen, as I just said, have to think, Hey man, this guy, this is a guy I have to worry about off of a miss. That's going to leak out down the court. When you're playing certain lineups, when you're playing Julius, no shade to Julius, you don't have to worry about that as much when Hart and Obi are out there. And even quickly to some degree, you and Grimes, you know, those are guys that are going to push it and play fast. It's just a different change of pace. Like you said, a different tempo. And I do think in this, 
high level game of chess, as you said, Andrew, those kind of moves are needed. Yeah, I think there has to be more more ball movement and player movement. Yep. Like if the Knicks, if you didn't watch the Knicks play all season and you just watched this game, that'd mm. probably be the first thing you'd come up with just watching their offense. Have you seen it at any time, them doing that well during the course of the season? Or has that always been a weakness for them all season in your eyes? I think that they have been a team that has gotten too reliant on isolation basketball, mm-hmm. right? Like I think that's something we have seen. But – we also have seen moments where they clearly can move the ball and yeah. be good, right? We, we've seen that. In fact, you know, I thought in some of the final five games of the season, including that last time they played Cleveland, there was no Julius Randle and it was just Brunson. And oh, the Brunson went off in the Cleveland game. I thought some of the ball movement looked really good. Our Knicks fans were texting me and tweeting to me about that, how the ball movement looks good. And it's like, that doesn't mean that they're a better team without Randle. And I'm not saying that by any means. But we have seen moments where they've moved the ball really, really well. I hope, and I think that's what you're alluding to, Andrew, I hope that in game three and beyond, if the Knicks are to win this series, I do think ball movement's important. I do think they have to move the ball better. I think that isolation's good, but if they isolate our isolation-heavy team against Cleveland, Cleveland's defense is too good in the half court, and they are just going to sit on that. They're going to do exactly what they did on a Tuesday night, which is blitz Brunson, blitz Randall force other guys to hit shots, but other guys have to be ready to make plays and hit shots. And there has to be a collective mindset about moving the ball and not being too isolation heavy. I guess there's a lot of criticism going RJ's way at this point from Knicks fans. What, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a nice, that's a nice way to put it. It's a nice way of putting it. What adjustments do you think he could make? Cause obviously it's a miss or make league. Like you either make shots, or you don't. And I actually think in that game, like, some of Brunson's shots that usually go in, rimmed in and out. So there is some randomness here, right? Like he's going to make those in game three, probably, yeah. I'm assuming. But with RJ, what do you think he could do in terms of adjustments? So the first thing, here's the thing, right? So RJ, you know, the shooting, the outside shooting has been inconsistent all season. Any Nick fan knows that. Um, the thing I've seen with him that bothers me a little bit this season is we've seen that also translate to the defensive side, yeah. right? Where his yeah. defensive effort has not been the same. He was like an average defender and now is looking below average at times. So that's one. Do he not showed, let the, He actually showed flashes the first two years of being a great defender, not yes, over long spurts. Defender. Yes, yeah. yes, in, yeah. in spurts, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 you're right about that, Andrew. He showed that in the first two years yeah. of being a plus defender. Right. I, average, I was probably selling him a little bit low. And you're 100% right on that. But this year you've seen, it's almost as if the missed shots has affected his mindset on the other end of the basketball. And so one thing I quickly had a quote after the game where he said, look, missing shots should, should never affect your defense. And that's something when I played hoops, that's what my coach said to me. And I, I definitely believe in that too. You can always give effort on defense. Defense is about effort. And I think that's number one. Make sure you still give an effort on that end. If the shot's not, listen, he's going to get outside looks and he's going to have to shoot them. I don't want him to hesitate and pass up on the threes. But also, when he gets the ball off the situations that we talked about before, when Brunson's blitzed or Randall's blitz, look to go downhill. Try to draw those fouls. Those That's a part of his game that he's still pretty good at, where he can still get to the rim. Not at an elite level. He's not an elite level finisher, although he's finished better this year than he has in some years past. Um, he still needs to try to do that. How can you affect the game in other ways if you're not hitting the outside shot? I think for him, it's attacking the rim. What I've seen in the first two games, Andrew, he doesn't look confident once he's getting to the paint, 
what he wants to do. There's not a decisive move than a counter move. He looks very hesitant. I understand there are two intimidators there for Cleveland and Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, but he's got to be more decisive. I think that's the first thing. But you can't be decisive, Andrew, if you don't got the confidence. And I wonder where his confidence is right now. And I think that's a big, huge part of the problem. But I think it's little things. Be aggressive on defense. Look to set up your teammates. Attack the rim. I think that can help him a little bit. Yeah, this team, this Cavs team fits so well on both sides of the floor. Now, if a Coro could make a corner three, I think they're like legit contenders next year, right? Like if he could get yes. that down. They're not the greatest in point of attack defense, but then those bigs just clean everything up. I know the average fan maybe can't see it, but finishing around two guys with that length and that it's level hard. of athleticism is not an easy task. No, it's not. It's not. But as we know, getting into the paint, you can make things happen. And see, that that's something Brunson wasn't able, yes. wasn't able to do. That's the biggest thing they took away. Brunson's a master once he gets in the paint with the footwork and getting the shots up, and he's not deterred. I'm... Rand, uh, excuse me, Barrett does not have the same bag that Brunson has, right? Like he can't go into his bag like that. But yeah. you got to put the pressure on the defense in some kind of way. And if you're not a threat to get a shot up, but you're right. I, I think your point is right. It's not easy around those twin towers down there. And they do so much. They're so vital, as you said, that the average fan might not see to the defense of Cleveland. The point of attack for Cleveland's defense is not great. Garland's not a great defender, neither is Mitchell. But in the team scheme, when they have a decent three like Okoro out there and those two guys on the front court in the back line, they clean up a lot. They clean up a lot. Speaking of fans, there's a contingent of Knicks fans that believe RJ should play less or not at all. How do you feel about that? Look, man, this is what I'll say. <laughs> um, production's going to determine that. I, it would not shock me in game three if RJ shaky in the first half and doesn't hit shots and you see more time for it, Hart and Grimes. That wouldn't shock me. And look, man, this is the playoffs. This is playoff time. I don't have a problem with that. I, I would not come out definitively and go into game three and say, going into this game, RJ shouldn't play, should play less. No, I think you go into the game with your regular rotation. You see how it plays out. If he's struggling and you really feel like it's hurting the team and Tibbs does that, I have no problem with it. I'm fine with that. This is the playoffs. You're trying to win. You're trying to make the best moves you can. Look. Case in point, look at what the Cavaliers did in game two with Oko yeah. Okoro. Yep. Okoro has not been knocking down the shots. And you talked about it. He's a key piece to their team. If he starts knocking down the corner three specifically, it opens up a ton for them. But you know who played well in game two? Kavis LeVert. Oh, Had yeah. a really good game for the Those Cavs. are the two biggest X factors to me. Okoro, the way he shoots it, and just Karras' scoring punch. Yep. Those two. It's also for the Knicks. R.J. Barrett and what he's able to do from the outside and spacing. And also Grimes and or quickly, one of those two have to really help the, the other guys, the stars and Brunson and Randall. So for me, going in, I wouldn't definitively say, hey, no, this is bench R.J. I'm going to give him that first half and see how he does. But if it's a close game in the second half and, and you know, Tibbs thinks that Josh Hart, who, you, who looks like he has more confidence, um, yeah, I can't see it. Here's the other thing, too, I just want to add, to Coming back home and playing at home, as I said before, is generally better for role players. But you know about the contingent of the Knicks fan base. You've heard it. You've been on Twitter. You've been listening yeah, to the yeah. Sports Talk Radio. We saw what shows. happened. We saw what happened with Randall just last season. That wasn't that long ago. That you know what I mean? That was long ago. Yeah. And listen, 
He starts missing a couple shots at the Garden on Friday night. Uh, Ooh, those fans are going. Don't to don't Knicks fans know that's not helpful. I do, I don't think they know that. I, I, they should know that. I don't think they do. They should, but I don't think they do. You're right. Is it? It's not going to make him play any better. Like I I didn't get listen. Born and raised New Yorker, so I don't want anybody to think I'm not talking about that. Understand? We understand that if you're not bringing it, we're going to let you know. We understand this. Yeah, yeah. There's a line with it. I do agree. There's a line at a point where it's like I'm not sure it's helpful, but I don't. I don't have a problem with fans just voicing their displeasure. But it's like, to what end are we doing this? Right? Like, like what are we trying to get out of this here at at this point? Um, I hope RJ can bounce back. Um, he's had some good games at home. He's had some good games in pass against the Cavs. We'll see. This is a big game for him. This is a big rest of the series for him. We'll see what he's made of. Biggest adjustment you feel Tibbs has to make? I think the biggest adjustment that Tibbs has to make is he's got to be a little bit more aggressive on choosing when he wants to blitz either of the Cavs guards, right? So choosing, I mean, you're going to send him different looks. You're going to send some to Donovan Mitchell. You want to make the defense, obviously, I think you want to make Karis LeVert, Okoro, if he's on the floor, Chetty Osman, those guys beat you, but you can't get them, make them have easy passes and dump-offs like we saw to the bigs in game two. I think that was the thing. So it's being strategic with your blitzes of Garland and Mitchell, right? You got to be very strategic with that. And I think on the offensive side of the ball, got to stress ball movement, ball movement, ball movement, yeah. right? Yeah. You know Brunson's going to get blitzed. What are you guys? I'm sure they're working on this in practice over the last couple of days. What are guys ready to do when they get the ball and who are they looking for? And are you ready to shoot and attack? You just have to make the quick, you have to make the quick pass, the quick pass out of that. And then, I mean, basketball becomes easy after that. It becomes four on three, right? Four on three. Yep. There you go. That's the thing is it's four on three situations. Are you going to win most of those four on three situations? That's the key. Four on three situations. So, like you said, once Brunson gets out of the blitz, makes the pass. That next guy has to be like, what am I doing there? Am I attacking? Am I looking for the next guy to rotate to come over, make defense come over and rotate, and then make the pass? You have to think in that terms. It's really, you're right. It's that simple. It's four and three situations, and you got to win those. And shot diet in the NBA is so important because you absolutely need ISO scoring, yep. but it can't be everything. Like, you need it when the shot clock is running down in end-of-game situations. It shouldn't be everything when it comes to your offense. No, it shouldn't be. And I think that in the playoffs – when you're playing against better defenses and that is everything of your offense, it only becomes magnified in how limited that you are, right? Late game situations. We saw how great that was in game one. Brunson was able to cook in the fourth quarter. He was tremendous, but you're, and this is within the series, as you talked about, Andrew, you're not going to get the same looks, right? So having variety in your shot diet matters a ton within a seven game series. And the Knicks have to be able to show different looks. And I think another guy that's got to get going is, is really quickly. You know, he's, you know, probably the third best playmaker when the ball's in his hands and what he can do. So, you know, I think he's got to get it going. But I think I I really would be stunned if quickly he doesn't have a good game in game three. I think he has a big game at the Garden in game three. He's he's the role player I'm actually most confident in going into this game three. Yeah, should be sixth man of the year for sure. Yeah, I agree. Let's finish up with this great regular season, obviously. Now, what do the Knicks have to do moving forward to have the season in a vacuum being great, in your opinion? Or is it already great? Or is it already great, no matter what? Like, let's say they lose the, the next yeah. three. Yeah. I think for me, it's it's funny. It's funny. I talked to a couple people about this before. If they lose I'm glad you put that in there, if they lose the next three. Because if they lose the next three, for a lot of people, it's going to feel like 
I think it depends on how they lose the next three before a lot of people will feel like the Hawks series again. Two years yeah. ago. Yeah. This team is better than that team. And the reason for me why no matter what happens in this series, in my eyes, it's a, it's a success, is because, to me, you've seen the culture have been, has been built up to a point. You know what the identity of the Knicks are. They play hard, offensive rebound. Are there limitations to this team? Do they have top-tier talent? No, but they have two all-star players who you're not paying max money to. You have pretty good role players. You have some good young talent. The biggest downside of your team, depending on how he plays the next couple of games, might be R.J. Barrett, and you have to decide what you want to do with him. Do you want to stay? Do you want to move on? You've got all your draft picks. You probably won't get your pick this year from the Mavs. But if you're a Knicks fan, there's no way you can look at this and say the future is not bright. No matter what happens in the series, there's no way you can look at this and tell me the future isn't bright. You're not in a bad situation. You're sort of knocking on the door of contention. What's that move that gets you there? I'm not 100% sure of that. I have all the answers. Can you get yourself a star that then bumps the other two guys, Brunson and Randall, down? I think in an ideal world, that would work. But I don't know who that is, right? Like, it's not that easy. But look. The place you don't want to be in the NBA is you don't want to be in the middle without any assets. The Knicks are kind of in the middle. They're like a fringe on the outside. They could be a second-round playoff team, team, depending on how this, this goes, that could bump themselves up to contender status. But what's that move? The key for them is they have assets, they have youth. That's what's helped them. They're not in a bad position. Yeah, I think they're positioned well. And, Dexter, I'm not hot take guy, but I really have had this Uh-oh. thought. I really have had this thought lately. I think Luka ends up in New York. Yo, so here's the thing about that, man. Um, and I don't think, I don't even think that's crazy. Like, yeah, okay. you're saying it, and I don't even think it's crazy. Here's why I don't think it's crazy. I was saying this a couple of weeks ago to somebody. For those, your listeners, your viewers who watch the league like we do, be very mindful of what's going on in Dallas. I've said yeah. that to somebody a couple weeks ago. Be very mindful. And that Jalen yeah. Brunson, Luca relationship was good. It was, they like, they really enjoyed playing with each other. And, Whatever you want to say about Julius Randle, he's been great this year. This is Brunson's team. Oh, yeah, I agree. You know, I, Josh Hart is there. Probably a big reason because of Brunson. This probably, you know, and, and he's been great for them, but. And here's the thing. I am a Luka Doncic fan. Big Luka Doncic fan. The year Luka Doncic got drafted, I kept saying to people, he should be number one pick in the draft. I've said it, blah, blah, blah. I think he could be the best European player ever. I think he'd be one of the greatest ever, all this other stuff. Luca in New York would be amazing. I would sign for that tomorrow. Yeah, the Knicks, you didn't want to give up four first round picks for Donovan Mitchell. You better give it on for Luka Doncic. I'll tell you that much, okay? Luca's got his limitations. He needs to get better on defense. He needs to stay in shape consistently. Yes. Agreed. But I love him as a player. Brilliant passer. Really great scorer. Can score from any level. Fine. And he still has a level to go, up to go, I believe. Yeah, that would be crazy. You get me, Luke. If you get Luke in here, you're somehow able to keep Brunson and Randall. Now you're cooking to contenders. Now, now you bump Brunson down to a number two and Randall is a number three. Yeah. Now it's about how you fill the team around that. But I don't, I don't think that's crazy. I think there's a lot of pressure on the Mavs. I don't think Luca, I don't think Luca is going to demand a trade this offseason, although you never know in the NBA. But I do think it feels like does, th- it might not happen that early, but it feels like things are gearing in that direction, you know. But watch next next season is a big season for the Mavs, right? Yeah. We don't know what's going to well, happen. Well, it's a total it's a total disaster if Kyrie leaves for them. Disaster. Like that you traded your depth of defense, you got Kyrie and he was only there for a regular season which you decided to tank at the very end. 
Total disaster. Yeah, and then where does that leave? It's funny because I'm not sure he's coming back. And honestly, even if he comes back and you pay him, is that really good for that team? Does that is is that can that team win with Luke and Kyrie? I'm, they have to I, make so they have to make some moves on the edges for sure, like just to fit around them defensively. You need depth and defense, yeah, with those two. The problem, the problem is they don't have a lot of assets, right? And that's 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 the thing. Yeah, all, yeah. In all in all that you're saying with your crazy hot take, Andrew, right? <laughs> it, it, your point your point is that the Knicks are positioned if something like that happens to strike. The other reason they're well positioned that I think fans may may not have valued a couple years ago, a couple seasons ago, is they've now built a culture. They've made the playoffs two out of three years. They play hard. Whether it's Tibbs as a coach or whoever else may come in next, I'm not. Who knows? But there's an identity and culture, and they're starting to build that. And you could tell they seriously want to win, and they have assets. It's not a. No matter what happens, I do not think the Knicks are going to lose the next three games in a row. I do not see that happening. But even if they lost in six, even if they lost in seven, it is not a failure of a season. It is a very good season in the right direction. And you should be excited if you're a Nick fan. Totally agree. Dexter, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Where can we find you on social media? Everywhere else. I know it's New York Post, SNY. Talk to us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so people don't know, I'm the weekend anchor for New York Post at SNY on the digital side. You can find me on your Post Sports YouTube channel, SNY's YouTube channel, all stuff there on both websites, nypost.com, sny.tv. Uh, I also do some update anchoring for CBS Sports Radio and WFAN. You can hear me on there. Uh, I host the NBA show, the NBA Exchange. Uh, we've been on a little bit of a hiatus, but I'll be coming back now during the playoffs. Um, and yeah, follow me at DHenryTV on all social media platforms. That's the best way to find me. And Andrew, Anytime you want me back, because, you know, I love to talk hoops. I will come back for sure. You're always welcome back on the show. Appreciate your time and talk soon, Dex. Talk soon, my brother. Thank you. Anytime. There it was. Yet another episode of Combos Court is in the books. Big shouts to Dex for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already. Share this episode. Share it on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Share it on your IG stories at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C. O-M-B-O on Instagram. Twitter is Combo's Court. Same name as the podcast. Be on the lookout for episode 465. Combo out.